Welcome to Spielin' and Dealin', the Georgia High School Basketball Podcast. I am Kyle Sandy, the owner and founder of SandySpiel.com, and with me today, as always, is the producer and moderator of the podcast, Ramin Forgani. Ramin, we are in the season. We have over a week and a half, close to two weeks finished. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing well, Kyle. I feel like these first few weeks have kind of snuck up on me, but we are well inside the season. We're past the Thanksgiving break, past the tournaments, and we're looking forward to region play for some regions starting within a couple weeks here. And we have week two of rankings. Most teams have played two or three games. There are some that still haven't played any. But we have enough of a sample size that we think we're going to hit the salient points here. But before we do all that, we want to talk about a tournament Another tournament that's past the Thanksgiving week, but that will be on December the 8th that you do not want to miss, Kyle. That is right. The Sportal Showcase coming to Douglasville, Georgia, South Paulding High School, December 8th. We got North versus South. And, you know, I handpicked these teams, and I'm glad we got everybody showing up. I think it's going to be a great event. Tips off at noon with Mundy's Mill, who just cracked the top 10 in Class 6A. They are sitting at number 9, undefeated right now. Led by Raekwon Brown, who's averaging over 29 points per game. And Jordan Black, they're going up against South Paulding, who is off to a quick start themselves. Uh, at 2 o'clock, 2A power. Woodville Tompkins with Preston Chris, Bernard Perlot, Charleston Willingham, and a very good freshman guard in Alfred Coxum going up against the Chattooga Indians at 4 o'clock. Don't forget about Eagles Landing Christian Academy versus Grayson. Two teams off to great starts in their respective classifications. 6.30 Coffee, who rolls in, ranked number three in Class 6A. They are going up against Campbell, who has been very, very good, always a sneaky good team in Class 7A. They're going to look to try and repeat their Elite 8 trip in 7A this upcoming season. And then lastly, you got a couple small schools going at it. Jeff Davis, the reigning Region 2 two-way champions led by Jacquez Kirby, a top 100 junior in the nation, goes up against Franklin County, who is clicking on all cylinders right now behind Michael Roebuck and a trio of 2020 guards. Don't miss it. December 8th, South Balding High School. We are going to be streaming these games live. And if you want to be a sponsor, there's still time to jump on it. December 8th, Sportal Showcase, South Balding High School. That is a marquee event that you do not want to miss. And some of these teams, <coughs> excuse me, Kyle, as you mentioned, we are going to be discussing today. But first, let's jump to Class 7A on the fellas' side. Norcross stock is falling, but Wheeler's is rising. What is going on with Norcross, Kyle? Yeah, Norcross, you know, it's something that happens when you have a bunch of transfers that come in every single year. You have to deal with chemistry issues at time, and there's a lot of mouths that want to be fed right now. There's a lot of good players, um, you know, Hands down, this is the most talented team in the state of Georgia from 1 through 12. This team probably has, I don't know, eight Division One players maybe long-term, something like that, six, seven, eight Division One players. That's a lot of talent right there, and you should probably win 95% of the games you're playing. But they have played some pretty tough competition. Uh, the Southwest Cab loss really opened a lot of eyes, losing by 10 points to Southwest Cab, who did not have their transfers, but they still beat them. Now, it's very early on in the season, and they're sitting at number six in the rankings, currently one and two, or 
yeah, one and two. They just got to win against Bishop Snyder out of Florida. Uh, but Norcross, they're going to have to piece all the puzzle pieces together. They're much too talented. Uh, you know, a lot of times you can just roll the ball out and win uh, with this roster. But in the state of Georgia, you're going to events, um, uh, a lot of other very good, very proud teams, and they're not just going to look at the stars and be dazzled and just lay down and take it. Uh, but a lot of time left. You know, championships are not won in November, so – um, they're just trying to get battle tested as the season goes on. They're going to have a lot more great matchups coming up, but definitely uh, a little bit of a sour start to the season. They got to get things in line, but plenty of time to do so. And before we move on, let's jump over to Norcross on the ladies' side. Class 7A, they're ranked at number nine, and you're being a bit tough on them, Kyle. They lost an OT to Class 7A number one, Collins Hill. They lost to Class 6A number three, Northview, by seven, and yet they dropped three more spots. What's going on with the ladies at Norcross? The ladies at Norcross, they just have to get healthy. They played uh, a rock-solid schedule. But they're without their top two posts. Yamani Paul has been injured. Tiana Carter has been injured. This is the same old song and dance last year. Norcross, uh, they were picked up the entire year, and they still managed to take a deep trip into the, uh, the the state tournament. But eventually, the most important ability is availability, and they just don't really have that right now. They open up the season getting just destroyed by a very good Forest Park team that we're going to talk about later beat Rockdale, but then Stevenson, a ranked opponent, lost by two to them. Uh, you just mentioned Colin Seal. They pushed them to double overtime, a very promising sign, but ended up falling short. And then against Northview, they had a lead, and then they saw it slip away in the second half, lost by seven. So again, Norcross, their biggest thing is just get healthy. Just get healthy, and they'll be fine. Outside of that Forest Park game, everything has been a dogfight, and you're talking about missing probably two of your starters, two of your post presences. Once they get healthy, if they do get healthy, Norcross is going to be fine. A little bit of an asterisk um, surrounding their one and four start. Doesn't look good on paper. They're ranked. What? What do we have? The number nine in the state right now? Are they really the number nine ranked team? They're probably going to, you know, the cream rises to the crop to the top eventually. Um, they'll be okay, but a, a slow start for them, just having to battle with injuries. Let's keep it moving down to Class 6A on the boys' side. Decula had promised last year. This year, though, they've started 0-3. They are at number 10 in danger of falling out of the top 10, Kyle. Yeah, and it's kind of like what we saw last year. They never really got rolling in the right direction last year. They, they they struggled a little bit early on. Then they had a coaching change just last year. You know, they started 1-3. They really struggled, struggled at their own tournament last year. And this year's team, haven't had a chance to see them, but uh, you know it all starts with defense with this group, and they have really struggled to defend. Now, they're not giving up as many points so far. I mean, they did just lose 90-83 to 83 to Peachtree Ridge, but you know defensively, that is what is going to separate Takula from being just a very fun team to watch that's very good and from actually becoming a, a state championship contender in Class 6A. In Class 6A, there's no, right now on paper, uh, an enormous juggernaut. I mean, Alexander's look good in spurts. Tri-Cities has been impressive, but there's not one team with like a Landers Nolly of last year that you knew you had to outshoot, outscore, try to beat. Um, they just have to get their feet, got to get got to get going in the right direction. But they they played tough competition, lost by 12 to Grayson, um, got blown out by 18 against Meadow Creek, Petrie Ridge by 7. They played Duluth coming up. Now, that's not going to be easy. Then they play Mountain View and then Cedar Shoals, so, and then Petrie Ridge and then Sandy Creek. So they got a, a tough five-game stretch coming ahead. 
they have to get some wins here to stay in the top in the top 10 but you know at the end of the day you're not you're not playing for rankings in the regular season you're you're playing for state titles and you're trying to get better as the season goes on so early early struggles right now i've been saying that i've been harping on that already it's you know it's early no need to panic yet but uh you got to start racking up the wins. And again, we see Brendan Tucker averaging 19 points per game. Mikhail Bethea averaging 19 points per game. Also, Quincy Adam McCoy, that is your X factor. That is your 6'6 wing that's supposed to have high major Division one offers. Looks like he's only giving him eight points per game right now. He has to be much better. He has been inconsistent since coming over last year if he can take that game to the next level start you know defending a little bit more and giving them you know 12 to 13 to 14 points per game that'll give them a great a great rounded attack right there but uh he's been uh struggling to score the ball but those are three guys that need to get their shots a lot of people that want to score the ball uh, but again, I think it's all going to start with defense. And just three games into the season, a lot of time left. But they got a five, a tough five-game stretch coming up. They're going to have to get back on track and really uh, handle their business because they're going to be battle tested once again to reach tournament play. Two more points before we move on to the ladies' side of Class Six A. Number four, North Atlanta jumped out to a 41 to 19 halftime lead over Tri Cities, with Tri Cities roared back and defeated the Warriors in overtime, 90 to 81. But also at the bottom of the ranking, number nine, Mundy's Mill, they are a shooting up the rankings, and they take over Sequoia, a matchup that we will see at Sportal Showcase on December the 8th. Yeah, Mundy's Mill, very, very good offensive team. They like to get up and go. Jordan Black has been playing pretty well, but Raekwon Brown, who I think is one of the best unsigned seniors in the state of Georgia, a sleeper, a six foot five wing, super athletic, a great shot blocker, can shoot the three, can score at multiple levels. He is an engine that makes him go. They got Demarcus Fannin inside. He's going to be a big bruiser. Three and zero right now. Haven't really played the best competition yet, so they still have a a couple games that are pretty favorable. That region's not the best region right now. Um, so they have a favorable couple games before they meet South Paulding on December 8th. And South Paulding, that's a team that's going to be hunkering down defensively, a team that sometimes struggles to score. But they're going to try and slow the game up against Mundy's Mill. But if Mundy's Mill plays them and they're in the 70s or the 80s, it's definitely going to favor the Tigers. Over on the girls' side, Lovejoy lost both games against out-of-state opponents at Thanksgiving Hoop Fest in Texas, but you think they've earned the benefit of the doubt. They've retained their number one ranking, but it's going to be those two. You have Lovejoy and number two, Forest Park, as the two front runners, and they will actually square off on December the 8th, not at Sportal Showcase, but they will basically be squaring off for the number one uh, seed in the 6A rankings. Yeah, that is uh, definitely a big-time big time game now. Lovejoy, they did take two losses over there in Texas, and that's that's not too bad. But these two teams, uh, it's going to be interesting. Last year, Lovejoy won sixty to forty-eight, and they won fifty-two to forty-eight, and they did not even get a, a third crack at Forest Park because Forest Park got upset by ML King, and they did not even make the state tournament after they were about twenty-one and five, and they just really uh, uh, fell apart at the end there but this year forest park they got a couple transfers they're the biggest front line in the state six four six four six two they are bigger than a lot of division one schools out there um it's going to be tough because they have some pretty good guard play elena denson uh, has been very good to start the season we we mentioned earlier how they just 
punished Norcross 61 to 33. They got a 43-28 win over Stevenson. Beat Douglas County 42 to 30. Uh, this team wants to play fast. They want to fast break you up and down, up and down, up and down. Use that size. They can really just overwhelm you. Um, just looking at them, they're a pretty intimidating group with that size and pretty good guard play. Um, but to be the best, you have to beat the best, and Lovejoy is still the best. And if Lovejoy wins, um, I think it's just going to be because uh, uh, Anaya Boyd and Genesis Bryden are just two superstar high major players. Um, that's that's the only reason I could see Lovejoy beating them, and that's a really good reason. Now, Lovejoy has some very good role players. Gianna Robinson has been very good so far, but they don't have like a huge 6-4 post presence inside. Caleb Brown graduated last year. She did a lot of the dirty work inside for them. They don't have a, a, a big-time post presence athletic like that. And um, Forest Park has multiples of them, but I, you, you know you still win with very good guard play. Um, Forest Park, looking at it on paper, you would think that they should be able to hurt them a lot inside, and their guard play is you know good enough with the likes of Sarah Matthews and then uh, Elena Denson. You would think they have enough to uh, to get over the hump and handle them, but you know with Anaya Boyd and then Genesis Bryant, when there's something on the line, it's a big game. Those two are super tough to slow down. So if Lovejoy wins this one, uh, I think it's going to be monster games from Boyd and Genesis Bryant. And if you're Forest Park, I mean, shoot triangle and two, do whatever you can. You have to try to slow those two down and make the rest of Lovejoy's um, much improving supporting cast beat you. But Forest Park, you have the size. You have to use it to your advantage against Lovejoy. Over in 5A on the guy's side, Southwest DeKalb has been impressive as they continue winning without three of their athletes who just transferred in. But number two, Buford, they won the Parkview Tip-Off Classic, and they're fighting back up here. Yeah, Buford was number one last week, but I you, you have to give it to Southwest DeKalb this week, even though you know Buford's been quietly handling their business. But Southwest DeKalb, we, we dropped them down because they did lose by two points. I think it was a buzzer beater to Discovery and kind of left us questioning – what is their upside going to be without these two trends? Maurice Harvey was a reigning Region 5 player of the year. Um, Terrence Edwards was a key piece in their, their scrimmage win, a uh, uh, 6'5 guy that plays multiple positions. DeJon Dansel can help off the bench. But they just go out and they just take it to Norcross with Eugene Brown hitting just a plethora of threes going crazy from deep. This team is scary good. I talked to someone nationally before the season started, and I said once I saw those movements come in, this team has a chance to be an elite, you know, top five program in the state of Georgia, regardless of classification. And now we see them beat Norcross, and they do it without all their transfers. That just tells you something right there that, okay, James Glisson, Katie Johnson, and Eugene Brown, they have a great nucleus, those three right there. You don't even need to mess anything up. You don't even need to sprinkle those uh, transfers in. And you saw what they could do against Norcross, who has all those big boys, and they still beat them. That is super impressive. Um, you know, who's really stepped up for him has been Jarrett Walton, a junior. He's been chipping in close to 10 points per game. But Southwest Cab, uh, they – are playing great right now that that huge win against Norcross and, and if they ever get their their transfers eligible you know you got to see about chemistry sometimes things look better on paper than what they look like on the court but if those guys do get eligible and buy in Southwest Cab is going to be extremely scary if they do not get eligible or don't buy in or they they just don't come back at all 
you have more than enough with Glisson, Johnson, and Brown. They have shown they can really carry this team. They are going to be very tough, but you mentioned it. Ramin, uh, Buford's going to be very good as well with Eric Coleman. They got Marcus Watson, Donnell Nixon. Uh, they got a bunch of guys there too. That would be a delicious uh, postseason matchup. We'll see if we get there, but right now, Southwest Cab, I had to put them back on top because they did score that huge win over Norcross, who, like we said, that is the most talented team in the state of Georgia. And uh, Southwest Cab really took their business and got a victory, not only statewide, but nationally. We will skip over the girls' half of 5A and 4A for both halves. Um, nothing remarkable going on there. It's early in the season. Things have still time to shift around, but thus far, nothing much. Down to 3A, GAC is 0-3 on the boys' side, Kyle. Yeah, they've really challenged themselves. So they've played some really good teams. Um, most recently, they got beat by Sandy Creek by 4 and by Wheeler by 10. So, you know, they have to slip down to number two. They got to get Chris Hinton. I don't know if he's playing or not, but they need his 6'5 frame inside the Michigan lineman. He's just someone that's going to move people around, open driving lanes for Hunter McIntosh and Ben Shepard, and just really be a guy that can physically set the tone for them. Uh, Morgan County, they take over the top spot. They were great. Beat Pebblebrook 70 to 64, blew out St. Francis 82 to 67, but no one really captured the stage. Um, as much as Stevan Green did, he was just tremendous. Uh, average over 20 points per game in their two victories at Holiday Hoops Giving. He's about five foot nine, but he was knocking down threes. Just a fearless leader. They got him, Tyron Lawrence, Alec Woodard. Uh, they are loaded. They are reloaded. Um, even you know, last year GAC knocking them off was a bit of a surprise in the Final Four. They had to hit 13 threes to do so. And, uh, you could pretty much tell Morgan County they're on a mission this year. They have not forgotten about that, and they're going to take the top spot right now. And if they ever do see GAC, that will be a very fun rematch to see. The Lady Adam Smashers of Johnson Savannah slide one spot to number two after a one in three start facing um, three ranked opponents. Correct, three ranked opponents. Yep, but uh, they um, excuse me, they travel to Beach and. Johnson and Beach, that's always a hell of a matchup, Kyle. Yeah, it's back and forth, back and forth. I believe they played, uh, again, like four times last year, and they split the season series, of course, too. So uh, last year, Johnson got the last lap, winning that state title. Um, and Johnson is really, they have really challenged themselves this year. And that is something that, uh, you know, Beach has not really done. Johnson's really went out there and played good teams. Like you were just saying, they, they played uh, some of the best of the best out there. Uh, lost to Grayson, lost to Valdosta by two, lost to number one Villa Rica by ten. And Beach, they've just been beating up on, you know, ho-hum teams, not, not really good teams. Uh, but y- you can throw everything out. Once these two teams get uh, everything go out the window, but if I had to uh, give an edge to someone, I would have to slightly lean to Johnson just because okay, they're one and three, but they have played very, very good competition, and they are they are as tested as it gets right now. And Beach is always going to be tough, and Beach can play whoever they want because they're going to be there in the end once we come to March. Uh, but right now I think Johnson, even though the record doesn't say it, Johnson might be playing a little bit better basketball. Down to 2A. You always want to talk about 2A. And Woodville Tompkins earns his first number one ranking in school 
history after beating up on a Class 6A team, Bradwell Institute, who was ranked a bit last year. Them and Therrell, who's uh, struggling a bit, they're battling for the top two spots. Yeah, I mean, food is gold. We saw them at Holiday Hoops giving, but they blew a 64-51 lead against number six, Holy Innocence. Robbie Armbrester was unstoppable, 28 points and 18 rebounds. Rashawn Frederick, who we mentioned in, um, who I mentioned in our preseason preview, we saw him at the, uh, Sportal Exposure event. This kid has some all-state talent if he puts it all together, and he did against Holy Innocence, 18 points, 14 rebounds, four assists, five steals as a junior. But, the big issue was okay. They lost ninety-one to eighty-five in overtime. They scored seventy points in the paint. Ramin, seventy points in the paint. That is bludgeoning your opponent. That is just punching someone in the mouth and just dominating. But they still lost seventy points in the paint. Twenty-five points off turnovers. Twenty-two second chance points. Twenty-two fast break points. But they only got nine points off the bench, but they just don't have any floor spacers right now. DeAndre Brown, great three-point shooter, left for Holy Spirit prep, and that void was apparent. They were one of nine from three. Roman Sun hit a, a tough three near the buzzer to force this game into overtime after Thera was leading the entire game. And they were just eight of 21 from the free throw line. And that really causes me uh, some panic for Thero, especially if they see Woodville Tompkins or anyone, anybody else in the, uh, in the state tournament. Because I saw Thero get beat last year in the state tournament. And the Elite Eight, Glen Hills was just bigger, stronger, faster than them. And they, you know, they eliminated all that inside stuff because they could throw six, seven guys out there and six, eight guys like Timmy Sellers. And they made Thero look like a bunch of freshmen and sophomores. Whoever's going to have to do that this year, it's going to have to start with playing a packed end zone. You, if I mean, it could have just been one off shooting night, but Roman's son's a great point guard. He's cat quick. He can pass with the best of them. He can get into the paint, but he's not a fantastic three-point shooter. If anyone's playing Thero, you pack it in, and if you have at least a couple 6'5 guys, 6'4 guys, some type of size, and you can rebound and prove, make Thero prove they can shoot the outside shot, you could stick around in these games with them. Now, Robbie Armbrester is a complete problem. The reigning freshman of the year, he is dominant. He is looking like a Division One player, uh, even though he might be a little bit undersized as a post player right now. He's great inside. He's great. But if you make Therrell prove they can shoot the three, things get a lot scary. And I just worry about Therrell. Therrell's a great team. We, you know, They only lost by like one point to Southwest's cab. That proves how good they are. They are really, really, really good, and they're going to punish – and just beat down 90% of the teams they play, 95% of the teams they play, especially in Class 2A. But if they run into a team with a little bit of size and they can you know, defend and rebound well and just make Therrell become a jump-shooting team, that's going to be tough. We've seen teams in the past just go to a 2-3 zone, pack it in and say, hit 8 threes, hit 9 threes, hit 10 threes to beat us. And if other teams can't do that, I know people want to poo-poo a 2-3 zone, but my goodness – it's it's one of the just the most efficient to get your rotations right. Not everybody can shoot threes. Everyone's a great athlete nowadays, but not everyone is a great three point shooter. And if you put that pressure on them to say, hey, seventy points out of your ninety one, if we're cutting that even fifty points in the paint, and you can't hit those threes, Theryl could be in trouble. And Woodville Tompkins, they could be a team that fits that bill with Preston Crisp, more of a six five. Bernard Pelot is 6'6". They like to play fast. They get after it defensively. Now, I don't know if they're going to sit back in a 2-3 zone. They'd probably man you up, but goodness gracious, that's a, that's a team that's ranked number one right now, and they can score the ball. And defensively, I mean, they, they really took it to Bradwell. 
points to when you beat a team by 40 points a 6a school by 40 points held them to 51 points you're doing something right so uh i don't know i I worry about Therrell. i think they have great upside but if they cannot shoot from the outside they are in a lot of trouble on the ladies' side, Douglas lost three games but climbs three spots. I had to double-check myself before I said that, but that is indeed true. You are very high on Douglas's strength of schedule. And Josie, on the other hand, um, not playing well by most accounts. Yeah, I'll start with Douglas, and by no means are there oral victory, but Two-way schools, they don't do this. Two-way schools do not do what Douglas did this past week. And now I know they weren't playing the pinnacle of uh, the competition, but you were playing 7A schools that are that are proven top 10 worthy teams. They lost by one to North for Seth. And I don't want to get too bogged down with who did this against them and then that transitive properties. Not doing that, but 51-50 to North for Seth. Lost by one. Lost by three to number four Hillgrove in 7A. Then they lost by nine to number five in class 4A branch. Douglas is very good. Not many 2A teams can even come close to challenging uh, schools like that. Nakia Thompson is a real deal. Douglas is looking very good. And if you just want to look over at Josie, who was our preseason number one, who slips all the way down to number seven now after their three, Josie tried to do the same thing Douglas did, and they weren't playing quite the level. They were playing similar, very similar, of course. They got blown out. They got blown out by 25, and then they played Luella, who's up to number six in Class 4A, and the same deal. They got beat by 17, so you're playing teams that aren't 7A, but, you know, similar similar as saying, okay, these are top 10 teams in their respective larger classifications, and they got blown out by them. Douglas did the same thing against higher classifications, and every single game was a ball game going down to one of the final possessions so that's why douglas you know i don't i don't want to move him up too much but to move him up three spots i mean that that's impressive losses right there and josie we saw josie try to do the same thing and easier said than done it's easier said to lose pretty josie lost ugly against a good competition they played douglas did not do that douglas was right right there in the thick of things and really proved a point and two other teams that are going to have many chances to do the same thing rabin county and banks county you know rabin plays north Forsyth, and then we see uh dawson county going up against banks county at the north georgia showcase which i plan on attending so those teams are going to be able to do the same thing. That'll be very interesting. Let's see what Rabin County does against North Forsyth. That'll give us a little bit more of a barometer to see, okay, was that Douglas one-point loss a good loss? You know, if, if North Forsyth beats Rabin County, that makes and, – and handily, that makes Douglas look even better. But um, that'll be interesting to see. And I, I want to give one quick note that Laney, they saw their 64-game lo- uh, winning streak – uh, broken. They got blown out by North Augusta. Did not report their um, their score on Max Preps, but we have eyes remain everywhere, even in uh, beautiful Augusta. Laney girls. They got blown out by North Augusta, so you know they they still move up a spot, but um, their 64 game winning streak is kaput. You know, this is week two rankings. We've had the preseason in week one. Most of these teams have played three, four games out of state, out of region, out of class from a lot of these teams. How fluid do you see these rankings moving within the next couple of weeks? 
Yeah, everything's going to ebb and flow, especially once you're in non-region play, and especially when you're looking at the smaller schools. Like, I'm not, I'm not trying to go crazy on Class Two A again. You know, it's my favorite, but when you see Class Two A schools playing Class Seven A schools, pretty much automatically, you should think this team's going to get blown out. They're going to get beat really bad, especially if they're playing a top ten school. Uh, but that's not what Douglas did. Um, but yeah, these smaller schools going up and testing themselves. A lot of small schools aren't able to do that. They might play a 4A school or a 3A school, but uh, seeing the likes of like Dodge County, who beat a 5A school in Wayne County, who that you know they always seem to beat them. Dodge County, it's tough, but I think the movement's going to be very fluid. A lot of these teams playing other, you know, cross classification matchups, and you kind of get a better gist. Like right now, we we have a, a an idea of okay, this looks like a good win, this looks like a bad win. Um, you don't know 100% for sure until you get deeper into the season. And was this team that was ranked in the top 10, were, were they really worthy of that? And then you, you look, you know, you, you fast forward a, a month and a half, and then you say, well, maybe that 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 early season win against this school wasn't as good, or that win was better, that loss wasn't as bad. You kind of figure it out. But, yeah, everything is just moving and flowing right now. A lot of uh, good non-region competition. Then Saturday is another, uh, especially on the girls' side, a, a big uh, a big weekend for uh, top ten teams, interclassification teams um, going up against each other. This has been the Week 2 Rankings Podcast. <clears throat> we look forward to getting back with you. As always, we are available on Twitter at Sandy Spiel, at KyleSandy355. At Ramin Fergani, if you want to ask us any questions that we will answer on the podcast, we do have Sportal Showcase, and we may have a special podcast in the works previewing that. And unless you have anything else to add, Kyle, this is Ramin signing off. <laughs>